on this episode, on this episode of Japan, Japan 2.0. As I'm like coming back, I could see uh, that my wife was kind of ahead of my son. He's behind with no one, no one to see him. I see him from far away, just coming towards this little kid. Mystical world of game and wonder, arcade centers like no other nostalgia. Yet every moment, everything you see, when I jump all on it, damn. Walking through these halls, my childhood is written on these walls. Um, I breathe the air deep down. I know this place is where I belong. My destiny, my wildest dream, my fantasy, my inspiration, and my energy. Everything up to this point, this place has let me, yeah. There's a place that's better. My fascination can't go on forever. So real, like a faded meeting with a friend who knew shape from beginning. Uh, hello and welcome to Japan 2.0, your favorite uh, podcast about Japan and all things Japan. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew, or Matt. Your, your other host. I'll be formal as well and say David and not Dave because I'm never go by Dave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we're here to kind of just uh, catch you up. I would say once or twice a year we do an episode where we just kind of talk about, like, recent happenings in our lives, right? Yeah, yeah. It's good to catch up. It's good to touch base. And um, you and I, we've both been busy in the last couple of weeks, so uh, this is a good time for us to catch up, you know? Yes, Not that dude. there's a ton of, ton of things going on, but um, there are a few things we, we should talk about. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, both teachers, which uh, we talk about, and it's new new school season time for us, which means big change, especially from uh, yeah, the kind of teaching we were doing before. We're doing the distance learning, and uh, yeah, so Matt and I we don't meet up that much still. Cause yeah, yeah, just we're being back. busy and being cautious about everything. Back in the classroom, you know, and uh, yeah, uh, adjusting to the new the new way of life. Uh, although it doesn't seem like. Other than, yeah, going out and doing things, it doesn't seem like school life has changed all that much. It's just a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. I was just talking with one of my good friends who's a professor at a university in Texas. Mm. And uh, he was saying, like, in his class, uh, there was a case of coronavirus. He was a big lecture hall, you know, like 200, 300 kids. And he had a case. And I, to me, that was, like, a huge deal. And uh, I, I think this is worth talking about because I think if, according to like our uh, demographics that we see, most of our listeners are in Western countries, Western English speaking countries. And uh, I was just telling them, nah, definitely. Like, obviously, a university is much bigger than a school that we work at. But I just said even in like the school community, no one, no one's gotten it. I don't know. Even not even firsthand, like friend of a friend of a friend inside Japan. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Uh, anyone who, who has it so yeah at my school yeah we're wearing masks and we sit a little further apart and we can't drink out of water fountains and stuff but overall it's, it's kind of business as usual yeah we're trying to stay somewhat social distanced but you know with kids it's, it's difficult they don't want to be social distanced <laughs> right yeah it's it's a lot of a like looking good on paper but the reality of like what happens in a school i think is uh it's pretty difficult to follow those those things twenty four seven. So yeah, at least at my school, I feel yeah, it's it's just a little more annoying, but it's it's feeling like life as usual. It's yeah. like I don't socialize. We're talk we're just talking a lot about off mic. We don't get to see live music, and uh, Matt and I love that stuff. So that kind of bums us out. But yeah, it's a bit of first world problems. I think when you have all things considered. Yeah, I mean we've still been really fortunate. You know, like none of our. Um, None of our favorite stomping grounds have 
has have gone away or closed down or you know as as far as I know like I mean I've seen some businesses close in town see, like in like the Sega and uh, Akihabara closed down right yeah yeah that's right and, Sega Arcade um, and I've seen a, a couple of I mean, local restaurants, ramen restaurants, and stuff like oh, that. That have Tokyo, closed. Tokyo yeah. hands, man. I heard the one in Shinsaibashi too, but the Kobe one uh, shut down. I don't know if it's the whole uh, company is done, or if it's just the uh, Osaka and Kobe stores. But no way. That's that to me was the probably that's the biggest big one, blow, yeah. blow that I've seen because they're always packed. When I go, I guess not packed, but they don't feel empty when I go there. That's where I went to get my cups and. And uh, my whiskey, whiskey cups, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's Loft is a competitor, um, so they'll still be around. I, I heard, but Tokyo Hands always had more of a like, do-it-yourself kind of vibe. And uh, yeah, I like it, Tokyo Hands. Yeah, it appealed to me more. I think it, I don't know if you can put a gender on it, but I felt Tokyo Hands was a little more guy-centric, where Loft is a little more girl-centric. Mm. Um, it's just a simple way to kind of look at it. Oh, but, that's too bad. Yeah, I used to get my lotion there. The I just heard one, one person say that about <laughs> Osaka. I've heard like five people say it about Kobe, so that, I think the Kobe one is definitely done. But yeah, you might want to double check. But yeah, that, that's that's really sad news. Well, there you go, people. Some of my favorite places have closed. <laughs> yeah, hard times. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't want to talk about Kobe too much, but well, that's a bit of an update to kind of how things are here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's changed our lives to some degree, but yeah, for the most part... Yeah, we've been fortunate that everything's been this kind of business as usual in Japan. So, like, we we are in kind of a, a lu- luxurious uh, situation compared to some other places in the world. So, you know, yeah. I don't I, I don't take that for granted. That's for sure. I was really worried about. Honest, I mean, everyone worries about their job a bit, right? Yeah. And there was kind of that feeling a little bit last time we had like a meeting in like June. But now we're back at work. We have actually more kids. We have the highest enrollment that we've ever had since I've worked there. Yeah. Um, the numbers are up a lot. And our school's a little bit cheap. There's a big competitor in our town, and our school's cheaper than them. So I don't know if people have left that school at all. I don't really know much about admissions or where people come from. I just get in the classroom and teach. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know if they've, like, left that school to come to our school. But, yeah, for us, we've got about 30 or 40 new students, which is uh, unusually high. So, yeah, I again, I got nothing uh, too much to complain about besides... Uh, not being able to go to bars and see music, yeah, and yeah, see, no. see Matt, see Matt, of course, because I feel bad to go to Osaka because Osaka has like five times the the COVID numbers as Kobe. Yeah, yeah, we're not doing as great. <laughs> yeah, I mean but, it's a much bigger city too. It's probably yeah. two or three times as big, but yeah, and and we have like you know we have some shady areas you know in town where and those tend to be the places where the the most coronavirus. Is, you know, cases show up. It's been like the snack bars and the the karaoke parlors and the you know the, the red light host, districts and host stuff. Clubs, yeah. yeah, I go yeah, to so. Kyoto a lot now. Actually, part part of the reason is that hotels are really cheap here because mm-hmm. uh, Japan's been really strict about letting people in. Even if you're like a, I'm, I might get some of these terms wrong here, but even if you're like a, I want to say a permanent resident, or you have a work visa here, um, they won't let you like come and go. Yeah, I mean, a lot of families are still separated. I know a family where the um, the wife and children are all from Korea, hmm. South Korea, but the husband went back for business and he hasn't been back. So, and it's yep. been months and months and months, right? That, that's right. Uh, they won't actually, put him back in. 
international school teachers were about a month ago allowed. Have you heard this? Yeah, they started letting them in. Do you know the reason why? I don't know the reason why. I don't know the reason why, no. Okay, because um, this is basically diplomacy. Uh, Like diplomats and high-level officials have their kids at these schools, and Mm. they, they need to go back and forth, right, like for their job still. Sure. And because of that, like their kids weren't coming. So these really high level people were putting pressure on the government. And there's a certain organization of some of the kind of the higher level international schools and only those ones were counted. So then like these kind of mid to low tier international schools were like, what, what's going on here? Uh, Like, how can you distinguish between, you know, the caliber of the school and you can come in and not. So it was kind of a, in our little local community, it was kind of a mess, but Anyway, uh, yeah, my, my point is that there's no people here because Japan, the tourism had been insane. No, so, yeah, no, I've been... no tourism from Asia, you know, which is was huge, like right before coronavirus hit. Like it was, uh, some people would have said it was a problem. I, you know, I don't feel that way. I think it's great for the economy, but, yeah. um, but I know that it does keep Kyoto really busy and packed. So and, you know, my, my wife was in Osaka today. And she said, because we, we've been going to Kyoto every other weekend, and we just get a hotel and stay there, because last weekend we stayed at a really, really nice place. It was uh, normally $250 a night, and it was $20 a night to stay there. And um, so it's like 40 bucks to like stay in Kyoto for a weekend. So we've been doing that all, all the time. It's particularly cheap right now, because there's a special campaign to uh, travel. Uh, so we've been using the GoFundMe, or GoToTravel, I think is what it's called. Um, but my point is that we go to yeah, Kyoto a lot and it is absolutely dead and it's great and we love it and we feel like we're you know, being responsible by going there because there's just no one like every restaurant you go to you know you're one of the only people there um, but she went to Osaka today and she said like it's not the case at all like it's jam packed it wasn't even Sunday you know Sunday is the most busy day yeah yeah she just said she couldn't believe how compared to Kobe or Kyoto uh, obviously again it's a bigger city but yeah. it just feels like people in these Kobe and Kyoto like people aren't going out and they are maybe social distancing more she said and Umeda did not feel that way at all oh and Umeda is still packed you know there's some mornings where I have to wait because I can't take that first train it's just full of people you mm-hmm. know and I, I just I can't do it you know mm-hmm. uh, look I, I always give myself plenty of time to get to work so I yeah. do that's a a luxury I afford myself, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's bad. Like it's, I don't want to be in a, you know, a train that's like packed with people, but Umeda is packed every day. You know, if I go and I have to pick something up from the store, yeah, just as busy as it, it I would say slightly, uh, less busy than it usually is, but hmm. I mean, it's, it's still pretty, pretty busy. That's interesting, yeah. Well, I recommend go to Kyoto if you can. You'll you'll be delighted by the lack lack of people. You can be yeah. out in the city still, you know. Well, I mean, there is a promotion for uh, domestic travel, right? Like, I mean, they are trying to push it. Uh, so that's, um, that's what I was saying. <laughs> it's the go go to travel. I, I was trying to say the name. That's why we've been going there. Is because it's, it's so cheap. Yeah, um, I actually took a trip not that long ago um, because, not because of go-to travel, but it, it, it is similar to you. It, it's because of um, the cheap prices, like everything is a lot more affordable, you know, domestic travels, cheaper than ever, flights are cheaper than ever, you know, uh, going 
going to Kyoto or renting a Airbnb. It's super cheap. So uh, my wife and I, right before the second wave of coronavirus hit, uh, we decided to go to Hokkaido, which is a place we've wanted to go to for a long time. And uh, my wife really wanted to beat the heat. So we've heard that Sapporo is much cooler, you know, and we've always wanted to go. So we did end up taking a trip to Hokkaido and we went to Sapporo and uh, got a cheap Airbnb. And, uh, yeah, I thought today I'd tell you a little bit about that trip. Yeah. Do you I don't remember, think, like, what I don't your think we stereotypes about or expectations were before you went? Well, you know, when you hear about Sapporo, it's always about the snow, you know, and the ice festival and the ramen, you know, hot ramen in a cold, on a cold day. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we were going in the summer, so the only thing I knew was it was a cool city. There was supposedly good food. And... um and it was cooler, <laughs> cooler than Osaka, which, you know, was a big selling point. Yeah, yeah I think those what is, s- snow festival, seafood particularly, like crab, uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned ramen, miso ramen is a particular variety there, right? And then uh, dairy as well would be a big one, cheese and milk. Yeah. Right, right. Um, those Corn too. I, I guess <laughs> people, I guess I've not been, so I can tell you all my stereotypes and you can tell me if they're true. Like really a widespread kind of vistas, even the roads, you know, people say are like twice as wide as uh, roads uh, on the mainland. And then um, I've heard there's like really good, I don't know if you got to experience this in summer, but like there's like good insulation, which is uh, mainland's notoriously bad for, like more Western style insulation and like double pane windows. And um, yeah, those would be things I guess I would like to go see if they're true or not. Yeah, well, I mean, we didn't get a chance to really test out the insulation. You, you weren't know, checking our, the windows to see if they're double pane, man. I, I mean, it was a, it's still the summer, so we had the air conditioning going, right? But okay. we didn't need it. We didn't need it every night. There were a couple of nights where we kept the windows open because it, it is considerably cooler. Like it was a lot better than it was in Osaka at the time. A lot yeah, less it humid. Hot. It was hot and humid when you left because I remember I was here. Yeah, so it's not humid there, or not nearly as humid. And, um, yeah, and I think you're, you know, you, I think your stereotype of, you know, is pretty accurate. It is big, big roads. It is, you know, the roads are much wider. Uh, there are mountains surrounded, pretty much surrounding the whole area, the whole city. Yep. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of like trees and wildflowers just like growing through the cracks in the streets kind of. So, um, it is a lot more green and luscious. You know, a lot more flora, definitely. Mm-hmm. There are big rivers that run through it, and that's all picturesque and, and kind of nice. But, um, but yeah, I was surprised about a few things. And one thing I was sur- surprised about was it's not a very big city. It's actually quite small. You could really walk across the whole main area of the city in, like, 15, 20 minutes. Mm. Um, so would you say it's like Kobe? Because I think Kobe is the same way. I would say it's similar to Kobe, but to be honest, I think Kobe is a little bigger. Really? Yeah. Um, it's a pretty small city, uh, Sapporo City itself. I mean, Hokkaido is a pretty big area, but um, we really spent all of our time in the city. Hmm. And, um, yeah, I think that it has a nice charm to it. It's it's quaint, but it's you know it's not too quaint. I've heard people say that it's a place where people go to retire. Mm-hmm. 
And I could kind of see that. It seems like the kind of place where it's a slightly sleepier than Osaka or, or Tokyo. Mm. And people are very friendly there, too. I found that. Yeah, you found they were more outgoing and stuff? I thought they were very chat, uh, chattier than actually mm. in Osaka and to- maybe not Tokyo. Tokyo might have more people that speak English than the types of places that we go to. You know, they'll. Right. They're a little more likely to, to talk with you. That's really but, interesting because that defies all stereotypes, right? The, I mean, the famous thing is that people in Tokyo are not uh, social as social as that going. And Osaka would be Osaka and Fukuoka are like the places where you know people are supposed to talk your ear off and just be really uh, blunt. I, I think that's probably true if you speak Japanese. But I yeah, think in um, you know in Osaka and in Kansai, you know, people probably are a little more chatty, but. In Sapporo, people spoke pretty good English. I felt like almost everybody, every shop we went into, they spoke a little bit and they mm-hmm. were a little more willing to have a bit of a conversation with you. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a cool trip. Um, I don't, I don't know if I have much more to say. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Uh, I'm sure, you know, we had some good food. I mean, we did try some some really good stuff. We had ramen. We tried um, curry, you know, curry soup, which is delicious. Yes, that's a uh, big that's thing a specialty, there. you know. And we a lot found of vegetables this, in it, right? A lot of vegetables. Uh, we found this really great place that was. It just had like a couple of statues, no lights, no no doors. I found it online, and I just walked up to the place. I opened the door, and surprise, it was a curry curry soup place. Tell and, the people what Genghis Khan is, besides a uh, great great man. Well, it's pronounced Genghis Khan, uh, or it's not actually, yeah, Genghis Khan, which is kind of a, um, it's a funny, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know. I don't know how they got to that name, but, um, Uh, or maybe I'm pronouncing it. I can tell you how they got the name. Maybe it's closer to Chinese, you know? Yeah, I can tell you how they got the name. Genghis Khan was a famous Mongolian ruler, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of people in the West are familiar with this idea of Mongolian barbecue. So it's barbecued lamb. I, and I, I would assume, without knowing much about Mongolia, that lamb is a popular food there. But I think it's a combo of maybe lamb being a popular food there and then that style of grilling at, you know, at your table. Uh, they just, it's the nickname of the most famous guy from Mongolia, right? Well, yeah, that, I knew that, but like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> in Hokkaido, they call Genghis Khan is grilled lamb. So people literally say, again, they use it with the Katakana accent that I'm not gonna gonna try on the air for you. Uh, but yeah, it's it sounds like Katakana Genghis Khan. Yeah. So yeah, I, I went to the Sapporo Museum. That was pretty cool. The beer museum. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 The beer f- museum. They don't do free beer anymore. I feel like no like beer museum in the world i think that's like a thing in like the 80s but i always feel disappointed when i go i always feel like oh, i'm paying 15 dollars for this beer am i supposed to get like a free flight or something like that yeah they um you have to buy i mean you have to buy it they have like beer gardens and stuff you know they had an outside tent with the Genghis khan and um but with the barbecues going and you could get like some beer and and stuff but uh yeah uh we didn't do any of the beer this time. Mm. We we went to the beer museum. We went, had Genghis Khan there, and it was quite convenient and quite cool. And the the whole brewery is really neat. It's like a old, um, 
like a, a brick building, you know, and they have some some cool um, uh, glass stained glass windows, you know, talking about the history of beer and stuff. So it's, it's cool. How did the grilled lamb? Is this similar to Yakiniku, or does it have like a pretty different feeling to it? Um, yeah, no, it was it was great. I love lamb, so you know it was no. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was good. I always like eating lamb. Um, yeah, lamb's a pretty popular. And I just popular put it on the. Even like I don't. Hokkaido obviously is like a you know, known for it, but I've gone to a couple of house parties here, like Japanese you know people cooking, and they make lamb, like lamb chops and stuff. And I've had more lamb in Japan in the six seven years I've lived here than I had my whole life before. Yeah, yeah. I have never had lamb in Japan, so this is the first oh, okay. time. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Emily, she's not that big of a fan. Mm-hmm. She thinks it's, she feels it's too gamey. But um, yeah, I used to have it back home, you know, in Indian cuisine and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I'm always happy to get it. And I, I thought it was great. It's basically they just put it on a hot plate and then you, you cook it up with a bunch of vegetables. It's similar to, um, I would say, Korean barbecue. More similar to Korean barbecue than yakiniku. Really? Stuff. Why is it? Yeah. What about it's more similar? I think it's just having all the vegetables and uh, so on the grill sides. with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot more sides. Uh, I think it even came with some kimchi and um, a couple other side dishes, you know, dipping sauces and stuff like that. Mm. So, yeah, that's where I would equate it closer to Korean barbecue than... I mean, yes, there are the, those yakiniku barbecue places where you get you know other things to go on the grill but most of the time it's just like slabs of meat Mm. you know and they give you a a side of rice right right right. i think uh, our wives talked like the first day you guys were there and i think emily told us if i remember correctly that she could like see herself living there like she liked it enough to like live there is that like sometimes the first day feels that way but maybe the day you leave doesn't feel that way does that sound correct like yeah, I mean it's a beautiful place, and um, and like I said, the I mean it's a comfortable city. You know, I don't see. I I would have to go in the winter mm-hmm. to feel like it, whether or not I want to stay there. Like and yeah, because I mean I, I I assume the winters are pretty long. Seems like they get a lot of snow, and on heavy snow years, I think this year is supposed to be a pretty heavy snow year. And um, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to be in the cold all the time. Oh, okay, uh, summer but, was great. Yeah, but I mean, in the right situation, I mean, if I got a really nice job offer or something, or if I was looking to move, you know, I could see myself in Sapporo. Mm. I, I think that um, it doesn't have as much to offer as. Now we went during coronavirus time, so you know, of course, I couldn't go. Yeah, I couldn't go out to see the music scene and and all that, you know. But it doesn't seem like that stuff is as you know easy to find as it is in. Um, Tokyo or Osaka, you know, where you go to a meta and you can pretty much find a place if you, even if you didn't have any plans, you'd probably wander around and find something interesting to, to do. Mm. I feel like you'd have to know the people, you'd have to know what's going on, It'll be a little more in the know in Sapporo. My recent story. Sure. Yeah. Our big plan was uh, we were going to talk about Matt's trip to Hokkaido a couple of months back. 
was it two months ago now probably uh it's yeah been about two months yeah and i had something happen recently that i felt i didn't definitely was not thinking about podcasting when it happened because it's a little bit um stressful but uh when it was done i was like oh okay i gotta i gotta use that for the podcast so um i no secret that you know i've been into biking lately but i've always kind of been into biking and uh when I came to Japan, there's two kind of big dreams I had about my job and where I lived. It didn't come true. Um, one was that, you know, I live in a beach town. I'm very close to the beach. and I thought I was going to be like surfing every day. And I wanted to start like a surf club at my school. And uh, But for safety precautions, there's these big breakers, these cement breakers out there that, you know, kind of kill uh, the waves. So there's really no surfing at my beach. And the second one was that uh, I was really thought, you know, I, I just always want to ride, ride a bike, like commute to work by bike. But uh, my house was literally a door-to-door, 30-second walk to where I worked. Um, <laughs> so I brought my bike over, and the, the boss, you know, the principal of the school, when they picked me up, they, they made fun of me. They said no one's ever, in like, the 20 years they've worked there, no one's ever brought, brought a bike on an airplane, you know, uh, to a new country. So we brought a bike and a TV. I think it was a double whammy. That people, people don't usually bring TVs or, or bikes. I, I brought both. And the bike sat in my closet for six months, and I never really used it. So we recently moved house, and it's like 10 minutes away. And I thought, that's like perfect, you know, biking, biking distance. 10-minute walk, it'd be like, you know, just a little three-minute bike ride. Easy. You know, I can still wear like a suit and stuff and bike, and I won't get all sweaty. Uh, th- however, though, uh, I have a son who goes to work, and he wasn't old enough to bike. So it just never worked out. So here I am, you know, six, seven years in Japan. Just got the bike, want to commute to work, and never never get to do it. But my son's finally old enough now. He learned to ride a bike this summer. So, uh, yeah, we, we started biking to work. I was living the dream. I was taking videotape, you know, first week of school, just sending it back home to people. It was me, my wife, and my son just biking. You know, if you had, like, a long bike ride, it could be stressful, I think, you know. But this is a really big, wide road. You can see the beach. It's very scenic. and It's just like a great way to start your day every day. It's all downhill going there. Coming home is uphill, so it's not it's not as nice. But yeah, just just go downhill, you know, the whole day. So we liked it so much that we even kind of realized ah, we bought our son a cheap bike. You know, he it's a little slow. This is kind of more for other other things too besides just going to work. But you know, maybe we should just get him a really nice bike. We're using it every day and stuff. So there's a a Trek shop. Trek's like a pretty well known bike company. I don't I think they were American. Um, and we went there and it's pretty expensive like for a kid's bike but like oh you know what we use it every day let's buy you know this this nice bike for them they had a really cool program actually where uh, if the kid ever wants to trade it in up to the age of 16 they can get half the money back so up to 16 ali as long as he goes there and there's 16 of them in japan so you can go to anyone in japan uh he'll always get a bike for 50 percent off now so the first one you pay full price it was uh, 40,000 yen, for the, just so people can kind of get a feel. Bikes are expensive in Japan. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because people use them a lot. And so, yeah, 40,000 yen, $400. But then from now on, uh, it should be around $200. So we go there, and literally the, the next day, <laughs> we're it, first of all, very Japanese thing. We buy the, buy the bike, and I feel like if you're back home you know, in America, they might make you wait five days or something. Maybe they're gonna, it's out. But the bike was there. I mean, the bike we wanted to buy, it's right there. Uh, but they said, oh, yeah, it's going to be a, a month before you can have it. 
We're like, oh, we'll just take the show for one. It doesn't matter. Just kids bike. And they're like, no, no, you can't have that one. We got to like build it. And it's going to take a month. This is like, again, coronavirus times. People are apparently not spending that much money. I'm like, really? Like, you got, you know, enough people buying this $400 kid's bike that, like, <laughs> I got to wait a, wait a month for you, like, to get it in? But I guess so. So that was kind of like a buzzkill, right? When you buy something. I was all excited on the bike. You know, it's just a 10-minute ride from our house. You know, he wants to ride it home. And we got to say, no, no, sorry. So next day, we're back on the old bike again. And, you know, he's putting up the seat because the new one's going to be bigger. And he's trying to, like, get a feel for it. And we uh, we typically ride to work in a very organized fashion, which is uh, my wife or I first, my son's in the second, and then an adult's behind, right? So that way, you know, you can kind of guard them in any way possible. But it was garbage day. And garbage day in Japan can be a stressful day, depending on where your garbage is. And uh, some garbages, for example, there's these plastic bottles called pet bottles outside of North America and uh, those have to go kind of far away from my house I gotta go like you know two or three blocks away but burnables or other plastics are just right out in front of my house so it was a pet bottle day so I forget and I gotta break you know our special our train you know to work I was like oh man it's it's garbage day I gotta gotta go go run back so I leave them and uh, go take out the pet bottles and as I'm like coming back I could see uh, that my wife was kind of ahead of my son. He's behind with no one, no one to see him. I see him from far away, just coming towards this little kid. And in the mornings here, um, we live by an elementary school. I think no matter where you live, you're by an elementary school or a middle school. They're like all over. And there's just all these kids walking everywhere and kind of breaking one of the Japanese stereotypes. Um, there is a bike path on our sidewalk. It's, again, kind of a newer, nicer area. So there is a designated place you're supposed to bike. And no one follows it. You know, there's people walking there and their heads are down. No one. Kids are on their phones. These little, like, they're not even phones. They're like all these little alarm buzzer. They're basically pagers that they have here for kids. And they're just everywhere. And it's yeah, totally not the Japanese order and politeness that you imagine. I don't, I've seen in Tokyo, it seems to be better over there. Uh, about here in Kansai, you know, it's pretty haphazard. And yeah, so uh, there's this, this kid just kind of like looking down and my son's coming up a hill. So you can't go that fast when you're coming up a hill. He's coming up a hill and he, uh, him and this kid, they, they collide. And they're going at like a walking speed, maybe like a fast walk. That's about how fast they're going. And uh, yeah, they both fall to the ground and it's like this big commotion, you know, all, all these people run over. There's three or four, you know, just local local people. My wife is a bit ahead still. I don't, I don't think she realized uh, anything <laughs> happened. Kept uh, going. And not, not really kept going, but she's pretty far ahead. And I think I, I yelled to her. And um, luckily, luckily, uh, a coworker's wife is one of the ones who's there. We're pretty far from the school or their house. So we got pretty lucky she was there because she's bilingual. Mm-hmm. And... Um, all I could just say was like, over and over to the kid. I didn't really know what else to say. Um, was there one of those Walker guys? Like no, a lot of times, like the schools have like a, um, like a, it's like a senior citizen that volunteers their time to walk the kids to school. Uh, no, at ours, they just stand at like big crossings. I never okay. see them really out in the main sidewalk too much. Although the, the day after this, I did see one right exactly where this uh. collision happened. <laughs> um, so anyway, the kid brushes himself off. Uh, Ali does, my son does the same thing. Sorry, okay. Yeah, they're okay. They go on. 
my my son has a couple of scrapes, um, but this kid, from what I saw, no scrapes. Um, so we go, go to school. That's that, right? So it's second period, which means it's been about 40, 45 to 50 minutes. And I'm going to my, my first class so that they had the first period off. And I run into the principal. And I see him, and I'm, I'm pretty friendly with him. I go to give him, like, an air high five, you know, because of corona, you're not supposed to high five someone. And I could tell, like, he wasn't in, like, a, a mood to give me an air high five, you know. It was one of those situations where you're being a little goofy, and it's, like, a bad moment. And he's like, hey, did uh, – your son get into like a ac- some kind of like accident this morning. It's like something with a bike. And I was like, uh, yeah, I, again, I wouldn't even qualify it. An accident sounds really bad. Right. But that's just like the best word for it. And he's like, yeah, he's like, uh, well, so, so-and-so elementary school, like called our school, like the principal there called me like, I had to like talk to them and like, wow. Apologize. And, um, he said, uh, you know, they're, they're taking the kid to the doctor right now. Like the school took him to the doctor and, uh, to, like see if he's like, okay. And all, like all these things are racing through my head of like, how is that possible? So this is kind of my big, interesting, like unique to Japan thing is yeah. within 45 minutes of that happening, what to me was like, um, yeah, brush brush yourself off. Okay. Like that's it. I would a day or two later, if you would ask me about it, I would have probably forgotten that it ever happened and probably my son too. Um, and if I, not not this kid that wasn't mangled and (laughs) again, I I think actually my son was probably hurt more than him because he he fell off of a bike that was a little, he put up the seat that morning. Right. Which is probably part of the reason he did it. But, um, I was just fascinated on a lot of levels of like, first of all, how did they know, it was our school. He wasn't wearing like uh, my son's age didn't wear a uniform or anything like that. Right. So I guess just maybe a, a foreigner, right? So he doesn't look Japanese. So a lot of foreigners go to our school. So okay, that's interesting though. Like that you would think that enough where you'd be like, I'm gonna call that school. The second one was, um, how did they know it was my son? So they call our school and say, hey, someone ran into a kid but there's our school has 350 people there. So how do they limit it down so fast that it's him, you know? Mm. Was it the wife of the the person you know. work with? Yeah, she yeah. Must, that is possible. But did she take him take him, the kid to the school? No, did not she walk the, him to the elementary? Not that school? I saw. It looked like she went her mm. own way. Mhm. So yeah, I don't know how unless they described how he looked. My son has very very long hair. <laughs> His hair like past his shoulders, which not many. I mean, they probably assumed he was a girl. I doubt most people do in Japan. They think he's a girl. So I don't know. I was just I was fascinated on a lot of levels of that was so fast. If a kid came in my class, and granted I teach older kids, but if a kid came to my class and was like, "Oh my my knee hurts a little bit. I got in like a, a bike accident." I said, oh, cool, man. You can write about a creative story. You know, we're going to do our narratives today. <laughs> like, that's a great, uh, you know, moment. You can really, small moment you can focus on. Like, yeah. I think that's what most teachers are at school today. If you're, like, limping or something, yeah, you, like, you would go to the nurse. But if it's just, like, a, a scrape or something like that, I'd be like, okay, yeah. Like, you would, at our school, we would not do anything for that. Um, if it was another student at my school, you know, like, 
I guarantee you any other teacher would just be like, oh, okay, cool. Like toughen up. <laughs> yeah. I have a theory. I have a theory. Yeah. Let's hear, let's hear what you're be. thinking. Yeah. I've been talking a lot. Let's hear. Well, definitely our school is real strict about like go, going out and, um, telling, saying where you are. Like, let's say, you know, I want to go out for lunch and I have like a period off and I want to go grab something. That's fine. But I got to write it. You know, I got to send like a message or, or something to my school so they know where I'm at. And the reason why they ask for that is so um, because the insurance won't cover if like we're doing something outside of, you know, the school times unless they know, you know, we're doing something that. What insurance are you talking isn't, about? So like the school insurance, like the school, the whole school's organization, it's insurance. I think it has to do with the city. So I wonder if it has to do with like the city insurance in Kobe, like where if he gets hit like on the way to school, that's actually an insured insured time, right? Like the kid is going to school. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's covered under like the school's insurance or the school has some sort of like, um, uh, responsibility during that time for the kids that, yeah. I think that would be true because, again, the school took them to the doctor, not the parents. Right. Um, which at our school would be insane. Like someone – we've actually had a kid. <laughs> we've had a kid broke his femur before, and we just waited, like, for his, his parents to come. <laughs> and then his parents were kind of, you know, in my opinion, not the best parents, and they said, nah, we're not going to come for that. So then we – a teacher volunteered and said, you know what, you know, I think – yeah, he should go to the hospital. They took a helicopter. We were skiing. A helicopter. We, we were wow. skiing, so we're like oh, we're okay. on a mountain, and a helicopter <laughs> came. <laughs> and that teacher had to fly in a helicopter, and they were wow. definitely not a fan of heights and stuff. Yeah, um, wow. And I, I actually then the next year on the same ski trip, uh, a kid got hurt. I think it was his uh, collarbone. And I volunteered. I was just thinking, oh my god, I pray I don't have to go in a helicopter. And I just got a snowmobile ride instead. Oh, well, it was a different, different hospital. It was a much smaller hospital he needed to go to. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, sure, it could be an insurance thing. So we were just, like, yeah, sweating bullets. And at this point, of like, it felt very draconian to me as a, as a Westerner of mm-hmm. um, you do something in public. To me, something that was forgettable. And everyone knows about it. And that's such a Japanese stereotype that, again, we don't often live very Japanese lives. My spouse, our spouses aren't Japanese. Our companies aren't Japanese. Um, but so this is the first time for me, and I, I did not like it. It really kind of creeped me out. And granted, it's something that, like, was maybe negative. I assume if a collision happens and someone's on a bike, no matter what, they're they're liable, you know? Yeah. It's, if it's like the U.S., you know, the person in a vehicle typically is liable. Um so maybe there's part of that too, feeling like ah, uh, like we could get in trouble. But um, I, I right. imagine there's some sort of um, like protocol that like most people follow, you know, in these situations that just we're not privy to, right? Like it would be like if you get in an accident with somebody, you would walk with them to the Koban or something, you know? That's exactly right. So our school yeah. has a person; they're called like the business manager, and it must be a horrible job to be honest. And basically, <laughs> so yeah, she had to do it for us, and like she just lied and said, "Oh yeah, they're here." we weren't we're working they're very sorry and she like went through this whole like procedure like uh we could, we'll send uh some regard i don't know send some gift basket or something like that probably and um 
But turns out, like at this, we didn't know. The parents were never involved. It was just between the schools, like the heads of the schools. Right. So at the end of the day, then the parents find out, and the parents just totally say, like, no. Same as, same as me with Ali. Like, it's not, it's nothing. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Like, thank you for calling and doing all that. I think they were just more impressed that, like, a foreigner school knew to do those precautions, mm-hmm. which, which we did not, obviously. It was the, uh, <laughs> the business manager and the, our head of school is married to someone who's Japanese. And this happens a lot. Like, our kids do st- stupid things sometimes in public, and their older kids wear a uniform. Uh, so we've had some kids do some, you know, pretty naughty things in public and then they get called. And so anyway, you know, they're not a big fan of these calls. It's not good for the reputation of the school an international school. Sometimes doesn't always have the best reputation within the local community because, uh, they're just different, right? Kids right. Do, kids do things differently or they look, look different or they, you know, might be speaking English loudly. And so I think the reputation is pretty important. So anyway, I thought that was it. I thought it was done, uh, after the parents didn't care. And then like a week later, the principal of the school says like, Hey, yeah, uh, Ali can't ride a bike to school anymore. Uh, like it's just, yeah, it could happen. And it it would look bad. Like he's such a, he's such a, uh, noticeable person the way he looks, I guess that like people see him still riding his bike and it like would be bad for like our school's image. My school is a very Western. I think some international schools are maybe a little more Japanese. Our school typically just, they do what they want. They respect Japanese culture, of course, but I, yeah, I was pretty shocked. Um, not to mention, I'm just thinking of this $400 bike that, you know, is like eight days oh, away man. that we, we just bought. And for sure, if we, if we knew this was the case, we, we wouldn't have bought it. Um, yeah. So that was just a couple of days ago. We, we kind of fought it. Like we went to like our school handbook and said like, look, doesn't say anything in here we're gonna he's never gonna be alone like we promise we'll always be with him so we have to write a letter now and the, they agreed we've been you know we've worked here for a long time we're good employees sure. this is like the one thing we've ever said like come on so they have very good night's sleep i have a very good relationship with them uh i think it'd be kind of awkward we hang out we're friends it gets to kind of an awkward level i think if uh we said like come on and they didn't do it so yeah, I guess my point is, yeah, if I worked at a Japanese company or went to a Japanese school, these things would happen a lot more. And um, it's one thing to kind of know about that and think, yeah, I wouldn't like that. But then to actually live that and imagine, you know, if that's your day, your day-to-day life is that way, where, again, you're always representing a company or a school and the, the public image is so important here. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of famous stories during war times and stuff that people would like, uh, boil food, like old food garbage, because it would smell like you're cooking food in your house when you were poor and like you had to skip meals during the war times that people would do that to keep up the image that, you know, they're still having good, good meals every night and stuff. Um, and I think you see, you know, echoes of that in modern day society still of, uh, really caring about reputation and image. And yeah, I, I think I, I don't like that stuff a lot of times. <laughs> I think that's something that we usually don't get involved in unless something like that happens, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I always feel like I've seen a couple of, you know, I'm on a commute, so I pass a lot of people. So yeah. I've seen a couple of weird situations with the elderly and, and accidents, you know, where people do get fall down or they have heat stroke or something. And, um, you know, and of course, you know, I head over there to like help them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, 
I don't have much I can do, right? That's Other exactly than call right. somebody else somebody else over. And when you're in the middle of those situations, it, uh, if you feel it, those are the times where you do feel very like powerless, you know, and you feel like you're just not doing things correctly, you know. Like I mean, that's I don't right. want to move anybody that's like fallen down, right? And so until like somebody comes like the station guard or something, I always feel like I'm just like grasping at. Like, am I making the situation worse by, That's, that's you know, exactly right. It's twofold. Scaring people away, you know? I saw a girl get in a bike accident about a year ago, and we came to help. We were, like, the first responders. And, again, I could just see her face, and she was so stressed out trying to, like, communicate with us mm-hmm. that I was like, I think we're honestly making this worse. Like, this girl's worse off that we're here. And we yeah. kind of, like, said bye, you know? Um, the second part would be there's this stereotype of Japan that when those situations happen that people look the other way and they just mind their own business and they don't help. Yeah. I've absolutely never seen that happen. I see the opposite. And again, in this case, before I could even get there and I wasn't that far away, there were three or four other people like there helping out the scene, you know? Um, and almost every time I don't see people ignoring things. Maybe again, if I'm there and I'm a foreigner and I'm clearly struggling to help, they're going to like come in, you know, and help that situation. Yeah. But oftentimes, yeah, I can't even be the first one there because other people are running to help. So, again, I don't know if that's a regional thing like where we are, but people to me seem very helpful in those situations. Yeah, yeah. I've always seen, like, in all the situations I've been in, and, you know, like, I I either just said, like, Daijobu, you know, are you okay? And then other people were there helping, you know, like, at that time, you know. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it's, I'm usually hardly involved, you know, like, I don't, I don't feel like, like I helped in any way. It's just that's exactly right. It's just your instinct, you know, well, to a, like try yeah. to help. There's like a third notable point on that, which is I sometimes worry if it was bad enough that I could, I can't explain myself fully. So it feels kind of dangerous almost to put yourself there because what if they just assume that you did the? I don't know how to put it, but like I, luckily I've never been a. I try to really play like okay. Is it like safe to come here where I can't really explain myself and why I'm here and what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think sometimes, like, what if it got like weird or bad and they just assumed guilty by association kind of thing, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, those those are the times where you feel you get that feeling where like you're so helpless in in the situation. Even, I mean, even if you do know a little bit of Japanese for the situation, I think it would still be tough, you know, because right. I mean, it's such a nuanced situation. It is. And like you said, um, it's not many times we feel living as long as we lived here. It's so comfortable, you know, to live here. It really feels like home. I very, very rarely get that feeling like a fish out of water. Yeah. I would say, you know, maybe once a year or something like that, it comes now. And, um, yeah, those, those situations definitely make you feel that way very, <laughs> very quickly. And I always have a lot of regret about my language level. And, you know, it's one of those things, ah, oh, starting tomorrow, you know I mean? I, crack down on the Japanese so that never happens again <laughs> not not exactly but a little bit of that feeling right yeah yeah oh yeah I'm constantly living in that feeling yeah but yeah but not anyway. enough to do anything about it I guess exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah that, those are some uh again our our show we try to focus on the kind of more nuanced uh things daily life kind of uh, kind of tasks and I think uh yeah we, we did it we did those are some good examples of what we've been doing so yeah, we've got some, some good podcasts, kind of traditional podcast ideas coming up that you'll see soon. Yes, I think they'll be, they should be good. 
be <laughs> always yeah. good, right? Always good, but these will be some popular subjects. Uh, we'll be revisiting some topics we've done before. We're you know 100 episodes deep, been doing it for like five years, so things change in five years. So, uh, yeah, we'll go back and uh, tell you how things have changed. We move a little more advanced versions. Have we done a 2.0 episode yet? Where we you know do a second look at something? Yeah, yeah, we've done a couple. Can you remember? Um, I don't remember which one it was. Uh, no, I don't remember. Okay. But yeah. we did it. We did one. We okay. had had like one in our 2.0 series or two okay. two episodes. Yeah. So we're calling that series 2.0 because uh, yeah, it would be the second time we go back and revisit something and do it do it better, do it deeper. Yeah, yeah. Or things have changed, you know, since we first got here. So a couple of those episodes are a little outdated. So I thought we'd re up them. Some of them yeah. are good during this time too, when we're not doing big events like Fuji Rock and stuff. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So if you can go out and like and subscribe and do all that good stuff, we've been getting a lot of people on Spotify. I think we actually have more listeners on Spotify now than we do on iTunes. Or it's right about the same. Well, good on you, Spotify. You know, yeah, thanks, thanks for all Spotify. the all the love. You know, all of our Spotify listeners and uh, iTunes. You guys got to share your friend, share with your friends more. Oh, we got some good reviews lately, though. Some yeah, we have gotten eclectic some reviews. Amazing reviews. Yeah, <laughs> are you are you gonna read one right now? Uh, do you want me to? Yeah, I mean, if you if you have it available. Okay. All right. You uh, you know the song song of the show? Do you want to introduce? that buy us some time or oh yeah yeah well so the song of the show this week is from a group called or it's actually a producer and the the project is called galaxy donuts wow and uh it's actually a listener that contacted us and said that um they they asked if um we'd listen to their album because we've given them so much uh great entertainment that they wanted to give give back this is a listener like who recorded it like a musician it was, yeah it's a musician they contacted us where did they contact so, us i didn't see this one uh it was on instagram oh that's awesome and yeah and i've been listening to a lot of lo-fi and like uh, study beats and stuff and this album's great like Gal- the whole galaxy donuts album uh, i think it's called sway is Oh, Starry Night is what the name of the album is. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and the cover is based on um, right outside of the PAX Hotel in Osaka. So it's all air. It's like a cool cover of an area I know. And, uh, yeah, I've just been listening to this album a lot lately, and I, I thought it was really great. So Galaxy Donuts, thank you very much. That's super uh, cool. I don't know how I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, you're the song of the show. <laughs> there you go. I <laughs> It's taking me longer to get this. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll listen to um, the so, the song. The title of the album is which is Storm, Starry Night. Starry Night. All yeah. right, I got the review just in time. Oh, great. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. All right, this one, August twenty second, hot off the press. The title is "I Found My Soulmate" by user That's So Raven two of course. This podcast helped me find my soulmate. I was listening to the podcast on a subway in Tokyo, and the second that David said takoyaki in an episode, I saw a sign of where to get takoyaki. (laughs) I immediately went there, and my server was a woman with the voice of a man. I didn't care. (laughs) That, That line particularly really stands out to me. 
I didn't care. It was the conversation starter. I needed to talk to her, and we are married to this day. Thank you, Japan 2.0. I will never forget you. Wow. That's so Raven 2.0. That story is so good. I almost find it unbelievable. So if you could uh, contact us and tell me sincerely that it's true, I'll sleep better at night because since I've read it, I don't know if it's a, a friend who's joking or if it's real, but regardless, I love it. I, I mean, it's like a, a novel in, in a review, you know? There's so much you could get from that one, yeah. We have a couple. Uh, I, I, I laughed out loud when I read that one, I got to uh, admit. But, I, I mean, it's, it's great. So, yeah, that's a Raven 2.0. Contact us. We got to yeah. hear from you. Uh, there's another good one we got over summer. Should I read that one, too? Of course. All right. This is by Park Uchi. I just listened to my first podcast on your show, and I will definitely listen to more. I lived in Tokyo for one and a half years and in Kobe for four and a half, and now I'm in California. I got to go to Tokyo in December, and I really enjoyed it. I would never have picked the area we stayed in, but it was only because my daughter had been there for three interna- for an international exist- linguistics conference. But it turned out great. Your podcast reminded me of how any place could be interesting in Tokyo. Hey, I've written a novel set in Tokyo that tells of two mothers doing their best by their teens. One being a hikikomori and one into compensated dating. I guess just dating and get paid for, right? As the name uh, implies. I haven't heard of that term. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's pretty logical. I plan to listen to more of your shows and get more of a flavor of what you're talking about and how you do it. I'd love to be a guest on your show sometime and I'll pitch you some ideas later. Well, Park Uchi, we will wait for that, won't we? Yeah, yeah, give us, hit us up, you know, we're always looking for ideas, and we're always happy to, you know, talk with all of our listeners, so. Yeah, that's cool. Please contact us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you can talk about bike accidents now, and a little trip to (laughs) Kaido in that book, and then we'll know where that came from. Yeah. All right, Galaxy Donuts time, huh? Galaxy Donuts, I wish you all a starry night, no matter where you are. Peace. Bye-bye.